0: Okay, well, here we are at chapter 18. Um, I, uh, I don't know if I have any serious chapter notes other than to remind you all that, um, like we mentioned before, it was commonplace during this period to wear, um, locks of hair and set in some jewelry. Um, it's a little weird to me to think about, um... But, you know, I guess I could see how it would be, it would be nice to have a little reminder of someone with you all the time to wear a piece of their body as decoration. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, (laughs) I don't want to offend anybody who, like, has, you know, um, when my brother died, um, my his girlfriend requested a bit of his ashes to make into a necklace. Um, and, you know, happy, of course, my parents let her do that. Like, that was fine. But um, it just, it's just a little weird to me, like, wearing a piece of someone that just... I don't know, it's weirder when they're living, too, for some reason. Like, I almost... I, I kind of get the dead person thing. Like, that makes more sense to me than, like, an alive person. Like, a piece of their body wearing an alive... Like, that's just a little, like... Yeah, I'm gonna have... I want to not think on that one too hard, because it's just... It gets to me. Does anybody else... Does anybody else get those vibes about how, like, kinda kind of weird it is? But it was very common during this period, um the victorian's especially had some really morbid stuff that they did um uh and they they took borrowing people dead people's hair and setting it in like dolls and things kind of they took it far more extreme um so yeah, i got got to love the victorian's but uh yeah we we're not we're not there yet, so we're not going to talk about the Victorians anyway. Just reminding you that it was a thing that people wore locks of hair. It was supposed to be all sweet and romantic to wear a lock of your lover's hair. remember Willoughby cut a lock of Marianne's hair and put it in his handkerchief and was gonna carry that around with him as like a you know my lady's token um so stuff like that, um, not really my drive, but I, I get it, it's, it's, it's a romantic thing, sure, I'll, I'll trust them when they say it's romantic, and we will, um, carry on, I think that's the only chapter note then for chapter 18, so we'll just get along saw with great uneasiness the low spirits of her friend. His visit afforded her but very partial satisfaction, while his own enjoyment in it appeared so imperfect. It was evident that he was unhappy. She wished that it were equally evident that he still distinguished her by the same affection which once she had felt no doubt of inspiring, but hitherto the countenance of his preference Preference "'seemed uncertain, and the reservedness of his manner towards her "'contradicted the one moment which was more animated look "'had intimidated the preceding one. "'He joined her and Marianne in the breakfast room the next morning "'before the others were down. "'Marianne, who was always eager to promote their happiness as far as she could, "'soon left them to themselves. "'But before she was halfway upstairs, she heard the parlour door open "'and turning around, was astonished to see Edward himself coming out.' "'I am going into the village to see my horses. "'As you are not yet ready for breakfast, I will be back again presently.' "'Edward returned to them with fresh admiration of the surrounding country. "'His walk into the village he had seen many parts of the valley to advantage, "'and the village itself, in a much higher situation than the cottage, "'afforded a general view of the whole, which had exceedingly pleased him. "'This was a subject which ensured Marianne's attention,' for she was beginning to describe her own admiration of these scenes and to question him more minutely on the objects that had particularly struck him and edward interrupted her by saying you must not inquire too far marianne remember i have no knowledge in the picturesque i shall offend you by my ignorance and want of taste if we compare particulars I shall call these hills steep, which ought to be called bold, their surfaces strange and uncouth, which ought to be called irregular and rugged, and distant objects out of sight which may be only—which ought only to be indistinct through the soft medium of the hazy atmosphere, you must be satisfied with admiration as I can honestly give— I should call it a very fine country. The hills are steep, the woods seem full of fine timber, and the valley looks comfortable and snug, with rich meadows and several neat farmhouses scattered here and there. It exactly answers my idea of a fine country, because it unites beauty with utility. I dare say it is a picturesque one, too, because you admire it. I can easily believe it to be full of rocks and promontories, grey moss and brushwood, but these are all lost on me. I know nothing of the picturesque. "'I'm afraid it is but too true,' said Marianne. "'But why should you boast of it?' "'I suspect,' said Eleanor, "'that to avoid one kind of affectation Edward here falls into another, "'because he believes that many people pretend to more admiration of the beauties of nature,' than they really feel, and is disgusted by such pretensions. He affects greater indifference and less discrimination in viewing them himself than he possesses. He is fastidious, and he will have an affectation of his own. It is very true, said Marianne, that admiration of a landscape and scenery has become mere jargon. Everybody pretends to feel and tries to describe with taste and elegance of him who first defended "'defined what picturesque beauty was. "'I detest jargon of every kind, "'and sometimes I have kept my feelings to myself "'because I could find no language to describe in them "'but what was worn and hackneyed out of all sense and meaning.' Meaning. "'I am convinced,' said Edward, "'that you really feel all the delight in a fine prospect "'which you profess to feel. "'But in return your sister must allow me to feel no more than I profess.' I like a fine prospect, but not on picturesque principles. I do not like crooked or twisted, blasted trees. I admire them much more if they are tall, straight, and flourishing. I do not like ruined, tattered cottages. I am not fond of nestles or thistles or hearth blossoms. Heath blossoms! I have no more pleasure in a snug farmhouse than a watchtower, and the... Troop of a tidy happy villagers please me better than the finest bentity ben oh I should have looked that one up one second Uh where'd my bell go? Okay, so bandititi B A N D I T T I is apparently a plural for bandits um Which is just the silliest plural. I mean, really. In English, that is not how we make things plural. Good grief. Um, Anyway, but he's saying that a troop of happy villagers pleases me better than the finest group of little bandits in the world. (laughs) He's, He's, yeah, being a little sarcastic. Okay. Marianne looked with amazement at Edward and with compassion at her sister. Eleanor only laughed. The subject was continued no further, and Marianne remained thoughtfully silent till a new object suddenly engaged her attention. She was sitting by Edward, and in taking his tea from Mrs. Dashwood, his hand passed so directly before her as to make a ring, with a plate of hair in the centre, very conspicuous, on one of his fingers. "'I never saw you wear a ring before, Edward,' she cried. "'Is that Fanny's hair? I remember her promising to give you some.' "'but I should have thought her hair had been a little darker.' "'Marianne... "'Oh, spoke. "'Darn it, that was Mrs. Dashwood's voice. "'I'm not going to repeat it. "'Just pretend that was Marianne. "'Marianne spoke inconsiderately of what she really felt, "'and when she saw how much it pained Edward, "'her own vexation at her want of thought "'could not be surpassed by his. "'He colored very deeply, "'and after giving a momentary glance at Eleanor, replied, "'Yes, it is my sister's hair.' The setting always casts a different shade on it, you know. Eleanor had met his eye, and looked conscious likewise. The hair was her own. She instantly felt as well-satisfied as Marianne. The only difference in their conclusion was, what Marianne considered as a free gift from her sister, Eleanor was conscious must have been cured, procured by some theft or contrivance unknown to herself. She was not in a humor, however, to regard it as an affront, and affecting to take no notice of what passed, by instantly talking of something else, she was internally resolved henceforth to catch every opportunity of eyeing the hair and satisfying herself beyond all doubt that it was exactly the shade of her own. Edward's embarrassment lasted some time, and ended in an absence of mind still more settled. He was particularly grave the whole morning. Marianne severely censured herself for what she had said, but her own forgiveness might have been more speedy had she known how little offense it had given her sister. Before the middle of the day, they were visited by Sir John and Mrs. Jennings, who had heard of the arrival of a gentleman at the cottage, came to take a survey of the guest. With the assistance of his mother-in-law, Sir John was not long in discovering that the name of Ferrers began with an F, and this prepared a future mine of rivalry against and devoted to Eleanor, which nothing but the newness of the acquaintance with Edward could have prevented from being immediately sprung but, as it was, she only learned from some very very significant looks how far their penetration, founded on Margaret's instructions, extended. Sir John never came to the Dashwoods without either inviting them to dine in the park the next day or to drink tea with them that evening. On the present occasion, for better entertainment of the visitor, towards whose amusement he felt himself bound to contribute, he wished to engage them for both. "'You must drink tea with us tonight!' said he for we shall be quite alone and to-morrow you must dine with us for we shall be a large party mrs jennings enforced the necessity and who knows but you may raise a dance said she and that will tempt you miss marianne a dance cried marianne impossible who is to dance (laughs) Who?" Why you yourselves and the Careys and the Whitakers to be sure What you thought nobody could dance because a certain person that shall be nameless is gone I wish with all my soul, cried Sir John, that Willoughby were amongst us again. This was Marianne's blushing, gave new susp- suspicions to Edward. And who is Willoughby? he said in a low voice to Miss Dashwood, by whom he was sitting. She gave him a brief reply. Marianne's countenance was more commu- than communicative. Edward saw enough to comprehend not only the meaning of others, but such but such of Marianne's expressions as he had puzzled befo- over before. And when their visitors left them, he went immediately round her and said in a whisper, I have been guessing. Shall I tell you my guess? What do you mean? Shall I tell you? Certainly. Well then i guess mr willoughby hunts marianne was surprised and confused and she could not help smiling at this quiet artfulness uh, archfulness of his manner after a moment of silence said oh edward how can you but the time will come i hope i'm sure you will like him i do not doubt it replied he rather astonished at her earnestness and warmth For he had not imagined it to be a joke for the good of her acquaintance in general. Founded only on something of an or nothing between Mister Willoughby and herself, he would not have ventured to mention it. Chapter Eighteen. So joke at the joke there at the end, um, that he said, Mr. Willoughby hunts because the day, earlier in the day they'd been talking or the day before they'd been talking about how a house had to have hunters. Um, and he said, not everyone hunts. And she said, some do. And then he went over and joked about Willoughby must hunt. Um, if I was writing this, I would have made sure that joke went in the same chapter as the subject of the joke, because I think that would flow better. But but as I've mentioned before, I don't really get why Jane Allison broke her chapter. I guess I get why she broke her chapter where she did, but I would have put the joke in the same. Anyway, that's just my personal view as a writer, um, as an unpublished, unknown writer. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, so take that however you will. Um, well, interesting, interesting. Um, I liked, you know, him defining, you know, the valley in such very frank, um, descriptions. You know, steep hills instead of bold. And Eleanor is right. And, you know, they talked a little bit about how, like, um... As the romantic movement came in, everyone had to be a bit more of a naturalist and pretend to, you know, love nature, and they're all trying to be in vogue, and Eleanor was trying to say that, well, he's trying to be different than that because he objects to that, and he's like, yeah, no, I just really view things like that. I just, I see, um, gnarled trees and I don't like them. I like straight, tall trees, And so he's trying to say that he's definitely not of this more romantic, naturalist mind. Um, And Marianne looked with pity at her sister, because she's like, oh, how horrible to be, you know, in love with a man who couldn't be romantic about trees. Um, Gnarled trees. Anyone could be romantic about straight trees. It takes a true romantic to be romantic about broken trees and run-down cottages instead of pretty happy little cottages. Um... I know some people in my acquaintance that are much more, you know, of this, like, practical mindset that I'm always astonished when we look around and we're trying to describe a scene and they they describe it in such different terms than I would. Um, I think this comes a little from Marianne being a little more shut off from the world. She hasn't gotten a chance to have this wider acquaintance, so she gets a bit used to her own family and they're a little bit more like her to describe things a certain way and And she's like, what is this man even saying? That those hills are steep and not bold. (laughs) She's so confused. It's funny. Uh, My dad's a geologist, so I learned from a very young age to describe landscape in both poetical terms and appropriate terms, as far as a scientist would look at it. You know, like... You look at the beauty of some rolling hills, and you can't just say, oh, those are lovely rolling hills and their randomness and is so lovely. Uh, no, you have to say, what lovely geomorphology. <laughs> he wasn't always such a stick in the mud. I'm over-exaggerating. but um, So I get a little bit more of this like practical man who, he um, he's just got this other view of the world, and I kind of like him for it. Uh, Eleanor seems to like him for it too. But the whole ring and hair thing. Okay. So Eleanor is convinced because he like looked all guilty and then looked at her. She's like, that's my hair in his ring. That is my hair. He stole my hair somehow. Um, either through, um, you know, getting it from the servant or like literally stealing it off my head and putting in a ring. And she's not offended by it. She's just determined to, like, check it out before she really gets offended by it. Um, And Marianne, of course, assumes that uh, Eleanor has given it away willingly. And so, very interesting. And Edward just seemed all kinds of awkward over it. So, we'll have to see how that goes into the future. Um, That was a rather short chapter, um, let's see about next, next times is back to more medium length. So we'll go chapter eight nineteen, 19, probably tomorrow. Um, I will just, yeah, I'll just mention again that we have a new Instagram page. So if you are, um, a user of Instagram, you can come find me over there. If you use any other platform that you'd like to see the podcast, um, on, in some form or other, just let me know, uh, Twitter or, um, TikTok or, you know, whatever. I could make something work, perhaps. So, we'll talk to each other on Thursday, my favorite day of the week. And I hope you all are safe and happy and healthy. And I look forward to tomorrow very much. Bye, everybody.